You're listening to the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins podcast, the best place to break the ice with your favorite players. Now here's your ghost with the most, Nick Hart. Yes, we are back with yet another edition of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. I am Nick Hart, and it is my great pleasure to be joined during this episode, not by one of the Penguins players, but in fact, a member of the coaching staff, a new face on the bench this season for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. It is none other than assistant coach Jared Scaldi. Scalds, what a great honor it is for me to throw the headset on with you and have you on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Nick. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited about this. Good, good. Glad to hear you're excited. I'm not sure how word has gotten around the locker room about the podcast. I think the previous three episodes have gone well this season, but now we have the opportunity with the bases loaded to really knock one out of the park right here with Jared Scotty on the mic. Um, how have you been enjoying your, your time in Wilkesbury? kind of to kick things off here? I know you had been here um, a couple times last season, but now that you're settled in how's everything been uh, it's been great i've been coming to wilkesbury since the uh, inaugural season uh back when i was with the chicago wolves so i've been in and out of wilkesbury as a player uh as a coach when i coached in norfolk i had the opportunity to spend some time obviously here in norfolk but now to really get to see the city and get to meet some people and settling in here it, it's been absolutely terrific it's a it's a great part of uh northeast pennsylvania and uh you know be part of the community is great and from the hockey standpoint getting to work with the staff that we have in the front office here with the Penguins has been uh, been an absolute thrill, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, and again, getting to know people in the community with the hockey involved, it's been a great experience. Have you found any uh, favorite spots yet? Spots you love to hit up? Uh, I think you'd have to always throw Kevin's. I think Kevin's is a great spot. They got a great cucumber martini there that I the highly cucumber recommend. Cucumber martini. Yeah, you almost feel healthier when you drink it. So it's. Uh, it's uh, highly recommended to go to Kevin's for a for an, uh, cucumber martini. Yeah, there's a cucumber in it, so it must be good for you. It's got to be good for That's you. That's science. <laughs> That's what they told me when they built the nutrition pyramid, like the zucchinis. They were... They were in the good part. so and, and, you know, you, you almost feel like Mike Joyce, sports science guy, is like looking over you, being very happy that it uh, looks like you're drinking something healthy. I'm sure Mike Joyce gives the cucumber martini two big thumbs up. Um, glad to hear that you're enjoying your time here in Wilkes-Barre. You already mentioned that... Uh, you had been here in the past as a player, things like that. You had been here frequently last season as a development coach. So even though this is your first year as an assistant coach, you're not new to the players. They all know you before. You're not new to the coaching staff. They know your face. They know the way you work. But I think a lot of the people out there uh, in hockey land hear about development. Just the word development is a common buzzword in the game. Development coach talked about a lot. I'm not sure if a lot of people understand what the position is, and I'm sure a lot of Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins fans are a little bit more interested in it now, now that Tom Kostopoulos, a guy that they spent their whole lives watching and admiring on the ice, is in that role. So if you don't mind, kind of take us through what uh, a development coach actually does throughout the course of a season. Well, my role last year, which which uh, as TK now has, uh, has taken on since I moved into the assistant coach role here with the team, basically it uh, it involves is um, tracking our prospects throughout uh, major junior across Canada, USHL if we have players there, prep schools, uh, colleges. Um, and of course, Wilkesbury. That's the main priority. Now, I would come to Wilkesbury at least once a month or twice a month to, you know, get on the ice with the players and, and help with the staff on any particular players that that might need something for me, maybe a little different voice and stuff. So just making sure we're on top of our our develop our players developing properly and at, at which rate they're developing. I would go around to see players. We have, um, you know, Nikita Pavlichev in Penn State University. Yeah. We have a young guy, young defenseman at the University of Minnesota. Dane Burks was up at Michigan Tech last year. Tech last year. So those are places that I would go visit and spend some time with the players up there. I'd spend time with their coaches along with their uh, their trainers just to see, make sure that they're they're coming along nicely. A guy of importance is Jan Draws, who got to play one yes. regular, se- regular season game here last year. It was important that I developed a relationship with his coach to make sure that 
you know, he's getting in the gym and getting the proper workouts that he needs. And, and if it takes a call for myself to the player to, to make sure he's on the right path, we'll do that. We stay in constant contact with the players. Uh, if they have any concerns that come up, they have our numbers, emails, text, whatever it may be. And so it's great to build relationships with these players. Um, it's a very rewarding job when you get to, to see these guys take that step at the end of the year when you saw some of these players come up to the American Hockey League. Um, it's nice to see a guy like Pavlichev who's uh, in top five in scoring in yeah. the nation right now with Penn State University. It's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a great job. It's a great, um, great experience getting to see different things. With my background in pro hockey and major junior, I'd not seen a, a college hockey game till last year. So, you know, to go to University of Michigan and go to Wisconsin and see some of these places – uh, to you know, watch hockey games there is just incredible. So I thought it was a great experience for myself, a very rewarding job. And and now with TK moving into that role, he's gonna he's gonna excel at it with his uh, his personality and his work ethic and, and everything that that we all know that he can bring to the table. I think TK is gonna do a great job. You mentioned a lot of players, a lot of Penguins prospects, but also a lot of places running through uh, that description of a development coach. You talked about Yandros, who was playing in. Shawinigan, Quebec. That's not exactly a stone's throw away from Wilkesbury. You're talking about Michigan Tech, where Dane Burks was playing. You're all over the place. How much? How many travel miles do you think you actually logged last season? Oh, I'm not sure. It was it, it was crazy sometimes trying to connect because uh, I remember last year, right before the uh, we have the year uh, midseason meetings. Uh, that's with all the amateur scouts and and upper management from you know Jim and Billy and and, and everybody and. Um, we one player we had not seen yet, and it was Jordy Bellreef live. So uh, I remember I last minute I booked the flight to Cal- from Toronto to Calgary, took a three-hour car ride south to watch him play, to go right back to the airport, fly back to uh, Toronto just to make sure that we got some eyes on him before we got to the meeting. So some incidents like that happened. Going to Shawinigan, uh, it's not an easy place to get to. So the nice part about it too is, a, and one of the messages kind of throughout the organization is, um, a lot of transparency and 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 communication. So whenever we did stuff like this, I'd go to Quebec. We always made I always made sure I talked to Luke Gauthier, our French scout out there, and we got to connect a couple times last year. Out west, I got to connect with some of the Western scouts. Uh, Brian Fitzgerald, I got to connect with in Michigan when I'd go see the development program play in Western Michigan and Michigan State and teams like that. So um, it was always nice to have someone to help you out too along the way, and that was one of the biggest things I told TK is make sure you talk to the scouts. These guys are in and out of those rinks and they know every nook and cranny of these cities you're going in and stuff, so they can always facilitate with, with different things. So uh, we've got a great group of pro, uh, amateur scouts that really help out, and it's great to get to know those guys too. So um, the miles was uh, – it was a lot of fun. You're yeah. all over the country, and, and you know, Michigan Tech, uh, Houghton, Michigan is not the easiest place to get to. So uh, I had an interesting ride up there. I had to get into Wisconsin first to see a player and then a five-hour – drive north to the upper peninsula yeah, of, i was gonna uh, say on the up and that's in in i believe that was in about december so you know it was great to see all this, the snowmobiles and the, and the logging trucks and it was a, a unique experience for myself for sure but to see the passion that the the students had and the and the the supporters of that university and that hockey program was terrific to see these places travel is something that wasn't exactly foreign to you if you take a look at your playing career and you had a lengthy professional hockey career I what almost two decades of hockey in the IHL AHL NHL and then you also kind of scroll through your your credits here on elite prospects or hockey DB you also spent time in Switzerland Sweden the Asia League and even Slovenia Skalds what were you doing in Slovenia <laughs> Uh, that was an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, and first of all, the Asian one was Japan. I was in the North Island of Hokkaido uh, playing for a team called the OG Eagles. Yes. And uh, that was a great experience, a lot of fun. That might be for another podcast alone, uh, Japan and the life life in Japan and stuff. And it was absolutely fascinating. One of the best experiences I've had in my lifetime is uh, living in Japan and playing hockey there. But Slovenia was something that came up um, Mid-season, I was a player coach in uh, Bloomington, Illinois. Yes. And I got an offer to go over there, and it just seemed like the, the right thing to do uh, at the time. And I ended up going to uh, Slovenia. And actually, where I, it's kind of where I got started in coaching because I, I played uh, three regular season games, five playoff games, and then we had to play the Slovenian championships. And, and I remember 
uh, there was something they didn't tell me about. I thought I was done after the playoffs. And, right. And, and in order to get the rest of your paycheck, um, you have to play in the Slovenian championship. So they so. wouldn't pay you unless you played, like, basically it, another playoff tournament. Exactly. So what they do is the way they set up the pay schedule was, was that it kind of left you hanging that, you know, you have to stick around for ah. this. And, and I, I always laugh when people say they want to go out on their own terms and they want to whatever. We we were playing. There's only two good teams in Slovenia, Ljubljana and uh, Jetsenice. Those are the only two teams, but you still have to play the lower teams to get to that point. Right. Everybody knows we're going to play each other in the final, but you still have to go through the process of winning games 9 nothing and 12-1 and stuff like that. So I remember it was the first game of the Slovenian Championship, and uh, I jacked my back on the, like, first 10 minutes of the game and I couldn't even walk. That was my really? last shift of pro hockey. So it's not quite going out on top. But yeah. What happened was the coach, he was an American guy that, um, you know, I was just, I couldn't even skate. I couldn't, I could barely uh, stand up straight. And uh, he had asked me if I wanted to come on the bench. And I just gave him some insight that I saw during the game, and he absolutely loved it. So I got to be on the bench for the whole playoff run. We ended up winning the Slovenian Championship, which was a huge deal over there. Woo! We had to get a police escort out of Ljubljana back to Yetsinice, which is about a half-hour drive. And then 5,000 fans are waiting for us at the arena. It was just an absolute uh, festival of, uh, of, of fun, and people just so appreciative of winning the Slovenian Championship. But that was my... My last time I ever uh, played professional hockey, and that kind of got me into coaching, and I really enjoyed it, and uh, uh, and I'm, I'm thankful for that opportunity to get behind the bench. Yeah, it's a small country. They've produced a couple, but not many NHL-caliber talents, but Slovenia is an area of the world where they do. They love the game. They love the game. They're very passionate, and obviously it's in pockets uh, up, I believe it's a north uh, north west part of the country but uh you know like where Jan Draz is Slovenian he's from Maribor area and there's there is some pockets that play hockey but it is an absolute beautiful part of the world uh you know I lived in a, a little city called Bled which is historic for some castles and and, and stuff like that and it was absolutely amazing and the, and the best part about it was so cheap like compared to rest the rest of Europe and yeah. stuff it was very very inexpensive and a, a beautiful place to live so did you buy your own castle no I didn't I I, I was thinking about it but I wasn't Shea Scully <laughs> that money they owed me wasn't enough <laughs> no but I mean at least you got the championship <laughs> you got the paycheck and like you said it kind of led you into your coaching career absolutely so no it was a lot of fun and uh, again great place really backtracking really quickly before we go into your your coaching credentials we won't dive into the entire Asia League story as you said that might take the entirety of another podcast but did that experience kind of help you out just in training camp this year when the Penguins had a Japanese player Yushiro Hirano here uh, did you have any uh, stories to exchange with him just kind of extend the olive branch in a strange new place him coming into America yeah I, I was really excited when I saw that he was coming to camp and he was actually from the city that I lived in Tamakamai City so we had a lot in common he knew all about the OG Eagles he the players I played with uh, uh, he knew you know, growing up watching yeah. him and stuff like that. So uh, it was great to share some moments with him and, and a couple of good laughs. And more importantly for me is just put him at ease because that's a that's a big, big step coming from Japan to, to an American Hockey League training camp. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that I, I every day I had some conversations with him, had a couple of good laughs, but it was great for myself to – uh, remember some stories in some places and, and uh, they're so proud of the, their food and I remember like I'd go for ramen all the time my wife and I and I was telling him what kind of ramen I, I liked he was surprised that I knew the specific type yeah. of ramen and that so he was uh, it was great to see him here and I'm, I'm glad he's having success in wheeling and uh, more importantly making him feel comfortable and welcomed here in Wilkes Bar. What what is the go to ramen? It's Nikita Kuni ramen. It's it's only made in Hokkaido, the North Island. It's uh it's a miso based ramen. Miso based ramen. Say it again for me. I believe it's Nikita Kuni ramen. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, if I want that, I have to go to, to that this area. Part. Yeah. Yes, because Tokyo has different ramen. The south part of all Japan, it's all area based and stuff. But for me, um, and I got to travel a lot of. Uh, all over Japan, we played a lot of off-site type games and stuff where they bring all the teams into a certain area to play. Here I am going off on this uh, J Japan stuff. Yeah. But, um, so I got to see a lot of the country. It was it was really good. And every every region is specific to certain type of food, and they're very proud of their food. Yeah, and it sounds like you loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Awesome. Um, 
Moving on to your coaching career, because you're an assistant this year with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton and Penguins in that coaching role, but you have had plenty of coaching experience prior to this season. I'm not even talking about your stint as the development coach last year with the Pittsburgh Penguins. You've coached at the ECHL level, the major junior level, and you've even been a head coach previously in the American Hockey League during the 2014-15 season. You were the bench boss for the Norfolk Admirals, and that team had quite a, a handful of really good players on it. You scroll down the list of that roster. You have guys like uh, Wild Bill, William Carlson up with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, right now, David Steckel, uh, Brandon Montour, really good player for the Anaheim Ducks right now. And you see another name on this uh, list, and it's Joseph Cramarosa, current Wilkes-Barre Scranton uh, Penguins forward, who was acquired in a trade last year with the Stockton Heat. And given that you had the previous experience with Joseph. I'm just wondering here, did they reach out to you at any point before the deal was made to be like, hey, we're thinking about grabbing this guy. What do you know about him? Or is this something where you heard, hey, Joseph Cramarosa might be available. You guys might want to go out and get him. Is there any sort of a connection or call there made, the communication lines that you were talking about earlier? Yeah, I got a call from Billy Garrett before the trade was made, just getting my thoughts on him as a, as a person and as a player and stuff. So I was really excited when I found out that we had an opportunity to acquire Joe. I had him for two years there. The year before, I was the assistant coach when he was a rookie and then when I was the head coach. So I always liked the way Joey could skate and his compete level, and, and he was such a, a good person, funny guy in the room. But it's funny to see him now more vocal and more – you know, he's always engaged and he was always part of the group and don't get me wrong, but now to see him as a veteran guy, and I know you become a veteran quick in this league, but uh, it's great to see him mature. I was really happy for him to get those games with Anaheim and then subsequently to Vancouver to get some NHL games because, uh, you know, he's had to work for every every call up and everything that he's had. So it's, uh, it's great to have him in our organization. He's a big part of our team and he'll be a big part of our success. I can't imagine a like young rookie shy introverted Joseph Cramarosa that doesn't even cross my mind as a as a possibility and you say he is a little bit more vocal now that he's a little more more comfortable and established yeah yeah it's funny to see him interact as an older guy and and I mean you were on the bus the other day and he's teaching guys how to play euchre and I'm just laughing like I had the kid four three four years ago yeah. as a rookie at the front of the bus and now he's sitting there teaching guys how to play card games at the back of the bus so, sometimes uh, it's just telling guys how telling to play guys cards. how to play I think that was more <laughs> like it that day Nick too I think he was telling him how to play yeah he he has uh his patience wears thin quickly and he makes sure <laughs> that you get on board with what he's saying as quickly as possible yeah, he keeps the young guys in check. He, he's not afraid to get into a good argument. The other day we're in a, uh, a game he's lining up, and I see him talking to a guy, and I think I said Adam Johnson, like, look at Kramer. He's arguing with the other team now. <laughs> not only his own teammates, he's arguing yeah. with the other team or a linesman or a referee. or so. But he's, uh, he's, a, he's a funny guy. He's a competitive guy, and uh, we're really fortunate to have him. Yeah, he's a really funny guy, and he will accept a debate with anyone that is willing to step up to the plate, whether it's on his bench or the other bench. Mm-hmm. He is uh, – a great ad for this Penguins team. Happy we picked him up last year on Valentine's Day and that he's sticking with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins right now. Healthy, for that matter, too. Started the season on the shelf, but now they've got Joseph Cramarosa back. Also, looking at that roster for the Norfolk Admirals, there were guys like Danny Heatley and Ilya Brizgalov on that roster as well. And I would, I would never be able to forgive myself if I didn't ask what it was like having those personalities in the locker room, especially Breeze. Yeah, I'll touch on Heater first. Yeah. Uh, I had him for an extended period of time, and it, it was tough. Uh, you know, we go back to um, uh, the car accident that he was in uh, with uh, the, the, the Atlanta young, Thrashers. Yeah. yeah, the young guy that died, my, one of my best friends, Dan Snyder. So it was kind of a weird situation where, you know, uh, that brought us together. Uh, I wouldn't say we were, we were friends or anything like that. You know, he obviously is on his way doing his thing, and mm-hmm. I was doing my thing, and and we, you know, reconnected there in Norfolk. So it was kind of odd coaching Danny Heatley, especially at a time in his career when it was, you could tell it was the very end. Like yeah. There was, there was nothing left uh, in the tank. I mean, I, I found he had a hard time getting around the ice in the American Hockey League at that point. Um, but still, it was great to, great to spend some time with him and, and, and stuff like that in a very unique situation. And to see what he goes through um, on a daily basis of, people making comments about that that day mm-hmm. and it was really shocking to to hear the insensitivity of some people when you go into buildings of, of yelling stuff that you hear from the stands like fans okay fans yelling stuff at him that was so insensitive to the situation when you really know what what went on and and you know there, there wasn't really any wrongdoing on 
on anybody's part. It was an unfortunate situation. So I, I really felt for him, and and it's sure it's been going on since that day. The, yeah. the, the, the the daily stuff that he hears from fans and stuff, the cruelty of some of the comments they make. But um, you know, he 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 finished the year in uh, San Antonio. We ended up moving him to San Antonio, but it was fortunate to spend some time with Heater. But uh, Briz, on the other hand, I didn't know what I was getting into. It was my rookie head coach in the American Hockey League. I got Danny yeah. Heatley coming down. I got Ilya Brzgalyev coming down. He and was, I'm going I'm to call yeah. timeout real quick here because he only played in two games for the Admirals. So his time with you was brief, mm-hmm. but go ahead. He um, It was absolutely great. I think over he might have been there about a week and a half. I think he, he played right away. And we didn't play again to the next weekend or something. But, um, man, was he funny. The stuff that he would say. And it, you know what? He's He's a great teammate. He was great to the guys. He was great to the staff. I remember we came off a pregame skate, you know, no, no different than what we do here with Clark. And um, and he came off and he's telling me that, uh, that coach, coach, that's no pregame. That's practice. Players tired now. That's a pra-. He's going on and on that we practice too hard in pregame yeah. skate and stuff. And he was, uh, he was great to the guys. I wish we could have had him a little bit longer. And I believe he ended up going up to Anaheim. They mm-hmm. needed him up there. But, um, yeah, I was sitting there going, when I got the call that I'm getting these two pretty big personality, pretty big, you know, successful NHL yeah. players um, in the American Hockey League. But uh, it was great. It was a great experience having both of them and, and Briz's personality. And, and he's, he, again, he's a great teammate and great to be around. Now, you say you actually had a bit of a relationship with Danny Heatley before coaching him before that year. Did you have any sort of introduction to Ilya Brizgalov other than HBO 24-7? HBO 24-7 and I remember when he was playing in Cincinnati for the Mighty Ducks I was still playing so I'd, I'd heard about this kid then that man this goalie they got in Anaheim systems out of his mind you know so uh, I'd already heard about this guy and I think that HBO thing kind of really blew the top off of his personality and what he's really like and then from there on in he just became a human soundbite or, or oh, yeah. clip and it, it's great i i could listen to some of the stuff he talked about it was just, it was really really entertaining absolutely if he had a podcast we should start sending out emails to Ilya brisgalov he should start a podcast because if he listened to it i would listen to every episode maybe four <laughs> or five times i would know it's coming and i would love it i remember i was still in college that year of the uh penguins uh flyers outdoor was it penguins flyers no it was who was uh, it was it boston i think it was boston and yeah. the flyers yeah Boston Flyers outdoor game, um, the 24-7, all that stuff leading up, because it was Pittsburgh-Washington the year before. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. sorry. Um, And I was living with some roommates that weren't big hockey fans, not big sports fans in general. They didn't know anything about the game, but I always had it on. So they were picking things up, things like that, what teams were good, what players I would talk about all the time and stuff like that. And then my one roommate, who was the least interested in sports, couldn't care less about anything happening in the world of professional athletics, saw that Ilya Brzgalov video, and he was like, this is this is my favorite athlete. <laughs> he is my favorite hockey player. He's my favorite athlete in the entire world. And to this day, he will still text me out of the blue, like, what's what's Briz doing right now? I'm like, I don't know. He's, he's retired, but he might have, like, a funny video on NHL.com, and I'll send it to him. And he thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. So I know it caused a huge stir in the hockey community, but there were people like my roommate that had never seen hockey before and just saw – Ilya Brzgalov and thought this guy is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, and it's the market he was in too. I mean that that's not oh. a market to to really have that type of personality and and you know when he's talking about having his tea on the bench because he didn't get the start in the game and you know it's just uh, it's just great fodder for the media and, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it was like um uh oh what's the word I'm looking for like combustible between mm-hmm. Briz's personality and the Philly media and 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 the and the Philadelphia Flyers old school mentality it just was a recipe for things to happen but uh, um, he sure made some people laugh though he definitely did and I will forever love Ilya Brzgalov for doing that a really successful professional career too I think people sometimes forget how good he was with the Arizona Coyotes uh, because of everything that happened HBO 24-7 and being bought out by the Flyers thereafter but he carved himself out a really, really nice career. It happens. I mean, uh, it, it's so hard to keep, even, even ourselves as coaches here at Wilkes-Barre, I mean, it's so hard to keep track of the West Coast of mm-hmm. even the American Hockey League to the NHL because of uh, it's like a whole separate league. So what he was doing in Arizona was it was incredible. It was just absolutely incredible. 
uh, you know, what, what he was, the numbers he was putting up and in, in his body of work in Arizona was incredible, which earned him that big contract with the Flyers, yes. which ended up not working out for either. But, uh, again, uh, I mean, what you a could great say career. it worked out for Breeze. He still Bre- ended Breeze, up with that money. <laughs> Breeze got a lot of money out of that deal. Yes, he did. Maybe yeah. that's why he's so happy. Yes, that's why he's so, so cheerful, just because mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Flyers allowed him to retire a very happy and rich man. In your case, though, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, your all your travels throughout uh, your professional and, of course, your, your coaching career. You've become, I think it's fair to say, a very cultured individual, and that's something that I've noticed over my time just interacting with you. You always have a, a story for something. You always have some sort of experience here or there. Big music fan. I love your taste in music. You're a big movie guy. But this is something I was very surprised to discover just on our very last road trip. On the way back from Toronto, I looked over, I had my headphones on, I was listening to music, and I see out of the corner of my eye on your phone, you have the Wizard of Oz on, and I come to find out that you had never seen the Dark Side of the Rainbow before, when they mash up Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon with the Wizard of Oz, and you had never seen that before. I've only heard about it, I always thought it was like some sort of like like tale of that this thing matches up and, and that, yeah. so... And it's funny how it started because I just recently saw A Star is Born, which I thought was amazing, mm-hmm. and then Bohemian Rhapsody right after that. So, so you're on like a big music movie yeah. kick right now. So I actually said to my wife, I said, well, Sunday's off. I said, let's just, uh, let's go on, let's watch some rock and roll movies, almost famous, singles, you uh-huh. know, movies like that. And then it came and I said, what about then? So I started researching The Wizard of Oz and Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. So I ended up not wa- doing that on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> we got busier than than that but uh it's something i wanted to i always just thought it was just some sort of tale that somebody said you could match that up but i didn't realize there was a whole production of it but uh one day i will watch that but i'm still yeah. in that kind of uh i still want to go back and rewatch yeah. almost famous and a couple other movies you want to get to some other ones first before yeah. you dive in on dark side of the yeah. rainbow but you did like watch a good I don't know, maybe three, four minutes of it just to get a taste. And you were left kind of unimpressed. Well, at the beginning, I didn't really think it would – I didn't get this whole matching up, but I think you and I discussed it a little bit that as it goes along, there are some parts that are, like, like bang on. Like, yeah, exactly. There are parts here and there that really fit. I think it's it's a great urban legend for both rock and roll and cinema that this thing happens. Um, But – I think it's a very overblown thing. Yeah, I the, think it is. It's more urban legend than it actually is. Yeah, the beginning had execution. absolutely nothing to do with the, the lyrics to the beat to the what was Dorothy was doing to you know what I mean? Yeah, so. like it, it. And you find one little thing, and then you're like, oh, okay, now it's happening. And there are some bigger ones throughout, but yeah. I think there's a certain. I want to know who the first guy to do that was, and of course, what state of mind he was yeah, in I think, to figure I think it out. Yeah, I think we have to go from that. I could imagine that just uh, simultaneously, all of a sudden, he just put on the Wizard of Oz came on TV at the time, and then uh, he put on the Dark Side of the Moon, and you know, the altered state, and the next thing you know, it's it's amazing. So yeah, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. Yeah, because the Wizard of Oz is a movie too that has all of these myths and urban legends around it as well. The Even Munchkins you, and uh, or the what? No, what are they called? The the little Oompa Loompas? No, that's uh, that's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, they're yeah. the Munchkins. They are the Munchkins. Yeah. yeah, they're all kind of stories about those guys. Yeah, and then like what was going on in the Emerald City? Like, there's a bunch of like weird urban legends surrounding mm. that movie, and then you put a Pink Floyd soundtrack on top of it. Of course, people would mm-hmm. try and connect. I, I the still two. love that movie. It's from 1939, and the expression uh, "pull back the curtain" or "peel back the curtain" is still a, a, a expression we could talk about today. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. It's awesome. Peel back the curtain and see the, the wizard is just a man. He's a phony. He's a big phony. I remember watching that as like a little kid and seeing that, and I think my jaw hit the floor. I was like, no. I couldn't believe that was the big twist. That was the big twist. Yeah, no way. This can't be right. The lion, the tin man. It was man? great. Still Scarecrow? a great I'm, I'm glad my daughter got into watching that for, a, for a, quite a stage, Wizard of Oz, so it was great for years to watch that over and over and over again. Yeah, so you're a big movie guy. Do you have a favorite movie? My favorite movie is Cool Hand Luke with Paul Newman. Cool Hand Luke. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, start. I didn't watch it, obviously. I think it's from the 70s, but I remember it came to my attention in like the, my first year pro, like in 1991. I watched Cool Hand Luke, and I just thought this movie is so awesome. Such a great guy's movie, and, you know, just how Paul Newman's attitude is towards society and 
towards life and, and stuff. And I, it's, uh, I absolutely love it. I mean, you, you, I got to obviously throw in slap shot and stuff like oh, that. Of course. But, yeah. Uh, cool hand. Luke would be my, my, uh, my favorite movie. Are you going to find a way to sneak that into the rookies, uh, little movie rotation? On I the should. I, I wonder if these guys would even think like, it's just so old. I, I think they, I think maybe some of the old, maybe a Chris Summers and a Trotman could really appreciate a movie like cool hand Luke, but, uh, well, they have resounding voices at the back of the bus. They can tell if the, anyone's complaining, they can tell them, sit down. This movie's great. We're so watching. if they're on your team, I might have to get that Nick. I think the boys should see cool hand Luke. It should be mandatory viewing. 50 eggs. Why'd you say 50 eggs? You know, you've never seen it. Have you? I have not. Well, I'm going to go get this it. This is why you should get it on the bus so I can watch it. So you can watch it. Yeah. You'll love it. Yeah. It's a great guys movie. Yeah. I, I love how you'll you'll be quoting movies all the time or someone else will quote a movie and you'll just be able to call out the movie. And even the year it was released <laughs> right afterwards. You just did it with Wizard of Oz, too. Yeah. yeah I love uh, that. I, awesome. I can always place the movie where we were, like where I was. So that's always it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but, you know, when I hear someone talk about a movie, I know where I was at that time when I saw it. And so I can trace the year. Makes it a lot easier. Oh, a little uh, mind palace memory device. And it's like music. If a song, I remember like when Daughter came out, Pearl Jam, you know, I was in San Diego in 1993. And I remember that like blew my mind. The uh, da- Yeah, Daughter from the Versus album. Yeah. See, th- this is where, this is a little bit more in my realm. I can stick with you a little <laughs> bit more with music than movies. And you already mentioned singles. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're a big Pearl Jam guy, I take it? Yeah, Pearl Jam. I mean, all 90s, all 90s grunge rock. I just love that whole era from, you know, the 90s. And, and uh, yeah, I think my wife, are, we're like locked in the 90s with uh, with our music. If oh, you, locked and we're in big, the 90s. We're a big uh, record player. We have a record player. We buy records. Which and, is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And our daughter was so proud of that she bought uh, Nirvana Unplugged. And I remember it was $100 at a record store. And she saved her money to buy it, the, uh, the Nirvana MTV Unplugged. And she saved up to get it. Yep, saved up to get it, and she still has it. It's like her prized possession. And so, yeah, we have a lot of uh, Nirvana, a lot of props. I've seen Pearl Jam lots of times. I love seeing Pearl Jam. I love They're always different in every venue you go. Saw the Foo Fighters twice this summer. Saw twice, them, yeah. Saw them at Madison Square Gardens. My, the, we, we were in New York that day, found out they were playing, went online, found just got two tickets. You could touch the roof at Madison Square Garden. That's how high up we were. Two days later, I had tickets in Mario's sweet 66 and uh-huh. watched them from down there so two extremes seeing the food fighters in one week but it was great in both places to see a concert at madison square garden is is incredible just to, of all the people that have played there and you know my personal memories of playing there i scored my first nhl goal there at msg and at msg Ooh. so i mean i just i just love that place and then got to see the food fighters there and then see them again two days later at uh, ppg against what goalie Mike Richter, game Mike winner. Mike Richter, the game winner. Yep, and I could tell you he was on the ice. Brian Leach, Jeff Bukaboom, Mark Messier, Adam Graves, and Tony Amante. And you reverse-checked Messier. He fell down to the ice. You split the D. You left Leach <laughs> in your dust and then went bar down on Richter. That's how it went, right? Yeah, it did, except complete opposite. <laughs> Richter came out to play the puck, hit Doug Brown, who passed it to me, and I put it in the empty net for the uh, game winner still counts still counts still counts still counts and it yeah. was the game winner so you guys walk away with the win and my other big memory at Madison Square Garden as a player is I got I got one punch by Adam Graves there and that that wasn't fun no I bit off a little more than I could chew and I remember I thought I could just you know hold on to him you know and then all of a sudden his old man strength just kicked in and he just boom one punched down I go. I remember the whole five minutes of box it felt like my face was just warping and I couldn't hear out of my <laughs> ear it was like oh so oh. we have a expression and anybody complains in our family like oh this hurts or you know you know what hurts getting one punch by adam graves <laughs> so that's a family expression of ours there you go we're we're in on the inside jokes yep. in the scotty family too <laughs> i suppose the the silver lining the glass half full way to look at that is that you actually do remember being one punch <laughs> yeah. by adam graves <laughs> I remember it, so that's yeah. a good thing. It wasn't wasn't too damaging. Yeah, there we go. Um, backtracking a little bit now, after I just completely veered off talking about your your playing experience at MSG. How vast is your record collection? How many records do do you guys have? Oh, I gotta say we've we've probably got a, a couple hundred albums, we, and we really like buying newer stuff. Like uh, uh, we we've got like um, 
uh, what's the latest one? Uh, Greta Van Fleet. Okay, the so anthem I, of the Peaceful Army. Yes, I, I absolutely love that album right now. I'll go back to uh, Beck, uh, Sea Changes, or uh, I believe it's Sea Changes, is um, one of my favorite albums, cover to cover, albums like that that you can just put on and listen. We listen to a lot of the Eagles. We got Queen's big in the house right now. Because of course, of Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. But like Lumineers and, and uh, yeah. Mumford, Mumford and Sons. And of course, we've got our few unplugged, Stone Temple Pilot unplugged, Pearl Jam unplugged. Um, and then uh, also some Who, Love the Who, one of my earlier er, earlier bands. Springsteen, of course, got the river, got to have the river. So, um, yeah, I got uh, all over the map. And it's been interesting, you know, my wife uh, kind of wasn't, she always looked at that type of music, the Eagles and stuff, as like her mom's music. Uh-huh. And then met me and then kind of slowly been introducing her to stuff. And she recently saw the Eagles this year. Uh, at MSG and uh, absolutely just loves the Eagles and the Who and uh, her big big band is Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks, so we have all all kinds of ranges like that. Your wife and I we have a lot in common. Love Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> I there are we had Fleetwood Mac parties when I was in college. We just Fleet, Fleetwood Mac fest is what we would do, and we would just be listening to Fleetwood Let's, Mac. Uh, we were the only apartment building, the only room that would be playing Fleetwood Mac in college. Yeah. Everyone else is playing something else. We're like, no, we're sticking with Fleetwood Mac. Well, maybe we should bring back the Fleetwood Mac parties. We could have one at my place. I am 100% on board for that. We're, we're going to have another Fleetwood Fest Madison at Nich- Chase Madison Valley. Nichols got to come, though, because I'm sure he'll be thrilled to listen to Fleetwood Mac. It's I've heard you've been educating him Absolutely. on Nirvana because our video coach, Madison Nichol, the Mad Diggity Dog, he needs some serious music education. He's actually re- he's a really – um intuitive and good opinion when it comes to like hip-hop and rap and stuff like that but if it came out before probably 1998 i'm probably even being generous by giving 98 the cutoff if it came out before 1998 he is lost (laughs) he is lost which year 1988 98 i'm saying 98 98. is is where i will give him a very generous cutoff if it came out before that he's a no-go he's a no-go yeah he's funny because we we were we were sitting around one day early on in the year with Clark and JD, myself, and, and, and my wife Erin was there. And uh, I forget if I said something or, or Clark, or, and he said, "Man, married guys are just so smart. Like they, it's like when you get married, you just get this this newfound knowledge." And this is Dixie saying. Dixie saying that. My wife looked around the room and said, "Are you kidding me? Look, you're talking about Clark, JD, and Jared, <laughs> and you think these guys are vast wisdom." You know, type yes. guys, and he's like, "Yeah, I think when you get married, like, as soon as you leave the altar, you just acquire this knowledge. And it's just bestowed upon you. When you're married, you're just you're just smarter, I guess. So that's kind of been our running joke with with Digsy about uh, the wisdom he's going to require acquire once he finally gets married. Well, with all of this wisdom that you've acquired over the years since being married, I think now would be a good time <laughs> for you to apply your wisdom. Scalds, it's time to play a game. This is the podcast sensation that's sweeping the nation. It is garnering national, international, and even intergalactic praise. This is a game called Cancelled. Cancel it. 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 I could simply snap my fingers. They would all cease to exist. Skulls, how this game works is you are now the most powerful being in the entire universe. I have a bunch of things, categories, polarizing topics, human behavioral patterns that you can now cancel. At your choice, at your whim, this thing or whatever comes out of this helmet is no more. You have the opportunity to cancel it for all time. It's like one of the common examples I've been using to kind of lead into this is wasps. Wasps are pests, you know, but they might be valuable to the, you know, ecological environment. At the opportunity to cancel wasps, would you take it? I would cancel wasps because nothing worse than sitting on a patio in the summertime and you're dealing with wasps. So now all wasps are gone because you said so. Okay. Understand? Understand. So that's how the game works. So now that you have the power, let's see what Jared Scaldi will cancel. All right. Okay. Beards. <laughs> would you cancel beards? <laughs> Absolutely not. I wouldn't cancel beards. You are pro beard. Pro beard. Pro beard. I yes. see. You, you got you got <laughs> a little got bit a, of yeah. something going on right now. Okay. Would you cancel 
The Bachelor slash The Bachelorette. Oh, right away. Like, first priority. Get rid first of that. priority. First priority. Get rid of that. That's, first priority is to cancel The Bachelor you, and Bachelorette. You lose your soul watching shows like that. It's, it's insane. And mm. it's, it has such a following, too. I feel yeah. like even the, the most ardent fans of those shows watch it and think, this is ridiculous. I hate this. Mm. But then they get so invested. You just can't feel better about yourself after watching an episode, I'm, I'm sure. It's 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 the worst. Yeah. So thank you, yeah. Jared Scaldi, for canceling The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Okay. Would you cancel electric eye toilets? <laughs> I've never even heard. So these are, these are like the the toilets that you don't have the lever to flush. It's like when you stand oh. up or walk away, they go for you. Yeah, I'd cancel those. I I don't like that. No. I don't like that. Either. I'd rather manually flush then then do that I, I i i'd get rid of those yeah absolutely i think the biggest problem that you run into with these things is or we used to run into because now they've been canceled is that even if you have like a slight movement they go on you they flushes yeah and then it's, it's not comfortable it's disrupting yeah Very disruptive. Exactly. yeah you feel you feel the pressure from the machine and that i don't be, want to feel pressure from machines that should be your time that's your private time you don't need to be you know we don't need that we don't nobody needs that okay jared scaldi would you cancel bolo ties? Yes. Yeah. You're canceling bolo ties. And I ties. used to wear one. I used to wear one. Uh, really? When I was playing junior hockey in Belva, I don't know, whatever, for some reason, I uh, I had a bolo tie. And I think my wife would divorce me if I if I ever brought the bolo tie back. That would be the end of things right there. It so you're, the you're taking away the temptation from yeah, yourself. I'm taking the temptation away because I did wear a bolo tie at, at one point in my, my life. All right. Well, sorry to all you. Bolo tie enthusiasts, used car salesmen in Texas, and <laughs> Philip Rivers, anyone else that likes bolo ties, they're canceled. Jared Scaldi, would you cancel analog clocks? Analog clocks. Analog clocks. Like the clocks on the wall. Clocks on the wall with, with hands and things like that. No. No. I, I still like, I like. I like seeing that. I like to see a clock on the wall like that. I don't think. I think we keep those going. Keep them going for a little bit longer. I agree with you, but there are people out there that say we have the technology for digital clocks. Why are we wasting our time trying to figure out analog clocks? And I, I think say, just learn how to read too. an clock, analog clock. Yeah, just learn I, how to read I, it. I, I think you learn how to read it. And aesthetically, it looks a lot better than a digital clock. Okay. Got a few more in here. Reading the terms and conditions. <laughs> I. I think they're important. I think they they, they have to be on everything. They have to, they be, have on to everything. be on everything. They have to be on everything. They're a pain in the butt, but... But, I, here, okay, here's a curveball I'm going to throw you, though. On the, the sheet, I just pulled it out of the helmet. It is... Ter, the terms and conditions are not up for cancellation. It's reading the terms and conditions. I think you still keep it. To you keep still everybody, keep it. Yep, keep everybody good. I, I'm, I'm all for it. Okay. All right, we got one more in here. So you have three things canceled and three things kept. You were you were very generous and forgiving on beards, analog clocks, and reading the terms and conditions. You've canceled The Bachelor slash The Bachelorette, electric eye toilets, and bolo ties. In the tiebreaker, will you cancel grocery stores tempting you with candy at the checkout aisle? Yes, get I, that bugs me. That bugs you. Yes. it's canceled. Yes, say I, the word. I, it's canceled. Yes, get that candy out of it. It's so tight when you go up there. It's all just filled with, with crap. My children are grown now, but oh my god, I, it's, it was painful. Did that create some battles with your oh, kids yeah, going to the checkout early aisle? on until they realized they couldn't get something every time? But yeah, I just think that's unfair. Parenting's hard enough. Let's not to make it more difficult by the uh, grocery stores. See, I'm not even a parent. I don't have any little ones running around, thank goodness, for the rest of the world. But even I am happy that you have canceled this because the mere temptation of them being there is, is too much for me to handle. And, and it's, I don't like looking over my shoulder at the Reese's Cups every time I check out, like, is today the day? And sometimes it is the day. And yeah. then I'm so – like, I didn't need to buy that. I didn't come so here the for the M&M this. peanuts would be the one for me. That would mm -hmm. be the one that would tempt me, the M&M peanuts. But even take it further, it's the it's the magazines they put there too. It's just like, oh, God. You know, somebody's getting divorced or on the rocks or – Or it's just – it's even just, you know, baseless gossip or baseless hearsay. Baseless gossip, yeah. Yeah. And hearsay. It's just right there at the checkout aisle. Yeah, it's aisle. not a good experience. So, so know what I, I did the other day? This is plug in Wegmans, I guess. Okay. Is uh, shout out Wegmans. Order online. We did it the other day. It was 
one of the most convenient things we could do. We went online, uh, picked out what we needed. Got a, I believe my wife did this. It was a text saying, John is now shopping for you right now. Even gave the guy's personal name. Yeah. And show up at the door. Everything is completely packaged properly and delivered to your place. And it took about, I'm going to say about an hour. From the time we ordered, we got the groceries delivered to our place. And you completely get to skip the rigmarole of grocery stores trying to just lump those candies and magazines on you at checkout. Yep, and other things. The guy didn't show up to your door with, like, peanut (laughs) M&Ms. You sure you don't want these, too? (laughs) I could add this to your order. But it was so convenient, and um, I'm grateful for uh, Wegmans for this new service they have in the area. Fantastic. Well, that is how we play Cancelled. And you ended with an exclamation point, Skulls. Way to go. Thank you. That's fantastic. Um, It's about that time where we got to think about wrapping up, but there's a few other things we have to get through here on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton and Penguins podcast, one of which being the question. Jared, we have a running segment here on the podcast where we have the previous episode's guest leave a blind question for the next episode's guest. So our old guest had no idea who was coming on next. They leave the question, and thereafter we will have you leave a question for the next guest. Do you follow me? Mm-hmm. So it is at this time that I will pop the question. You ready? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. This, this is going to be this. a bit of a, a mind tingler. All right. We'll see what, if you can handle it. Jared Scaldi, is water wet or does water make things wet? Both. Both. So you're saying water itself is inherently wet. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, because that is the question. It, is water wet or does it only make things wet upon contact? That's how I, how I should have said it. I'm so we wa- all agree that water makes things wet. I'm going to say water is wet. Water is wet. Scientifically, it's not? I don't know. Oh. No, this is not like a trivia question. Oh. This is just, you know, open-ended for your answer. Yeah, I think they're both I think it's wet. It's it's water, it's wet, makes things wet. It's wet. That could be like a platform that you run on as a politician. <laughs> I think water is wet. It makes things wet. It's wet. You're you're sticking your foot in the that, ground on this one. Water's right. wet. Water's wet. Water's wet. Yep. There we go. It's completely wet. It's completely wet. Do I have time for my question now? No, no, no. We, we, we don't need to uh, get it now. You can, you can take some time, think about this. You have some time to really soak it all in and leave the perfect question for the next guest. We've had some that are uh, uh, pretty out there, mm-hmm. some that are some brain teasers, some that are serious. You know, we often encourage them to be non-hockey related. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just whatever the guy comes up with. We've had them as... Uh, I think is is intense is like who was your idol growing up or something like who is someone that you've always looked up to even today as an adult and then some just as simple as what's your favorite color and everything mm. in between. Gotcha. It's all been right. all over the place. So you can I got put one. that put that one in the oven. Oh, you already say you got there one. You, got you don't one. have to reveal it now, no, no. but I'm I'm excited for this. Yeah, I got it. I'm excited to see with what you uh what you come up with, what you have for next episode's guest here on the Wilkesbury Scranton and Penguins podcast. But that brings our episode to an end. Before we sign off, Skulls, we have to do one more thing here on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast, and that is something we call Penn's Picks. Penn's Picks. Jared, this is the time in the podcast where we leave our Penn's Picks. Just anything you would like to recommend to the audience, something that you've been into lately, something you're really excited about, just throw out any sort of recommendation. I recommend a book called The Magic Strings of Frankie Presto. The it Magic was, Strings of Frankie Presto. Presto. And it's a book written uh, by the former Detroit uh, Free Press. Carry followed the, uh, he was a beat writer for the Detroit Red Wings, wrote uh, Tuesdays with Maury. Um, uh, what's his name now? I just had an absolute, um, he's got a series of books. Um, Tuesdays with Maury was one that made, it was made into a TV, made for TV movie. Um, Mitch uh, album. Mitch album. I'm sorry, I just I used the Google there. machine. Yes, so I can't so take credit Mi- for that. Mitch album. I believe it's his recent book. I read it about <clears throat> six months ago. I passed it along to about five, six different people. The Magic Strings of Frankie Presto by Mitch Album, and uh, it's one of the best books I've read in a long time. I, I've read some books. Like there's another one that that I, I carry with me. It's called The Energy Bus 
which is a terrific read, um, you know, more on the, uh, you know, kind of your attitude type stuff. But the, the journey this Mitch album book takes you through is absolutely incredible. Uh, what's the elevator pitch? What's the plot synopsis of this? It's movie? a music or based. Book? It's music based, so it transcends you through the the life of uh, this this uh, musician called Frankie Presto. Uh, it is fiction, but they do bring in factual things, moments in time throughout. So you actually kind of catch yourself: is this guy a real character, like mm-hmm. in in life? And and he takes you through all these great moments in music, with his own personal highs and lows and successes and failures and, and different things like that. But it's just a terrific read. I couldn't I couldn't put it down. I couldn't wait to wake up in the morning to, to get a couple chapters in before I came to the rink and uh, before I went to bed get uh, get a few more chapters in. All right, sounds good. So. <laughs> The Magic Strings of Frankie Presto and the Energy Bus are your Pens Picks, some book recommendations to Penguins fans out there. My Pens Pick is going to be something that you already mentioned earlier in this episode, and that is going to be the band Greta Van Fleet. They haven't gotten a Pens Pick from me yet, but now's the time where I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm recommending Greta Van Fleet to all of you out there. At least check them out. They have drawn high praise and heavy criticism at opposite uh, ends of the spectrum here uh, through their very, very early career just because of their oral likeness to a band known as Led Zeppelin. Um, but in my opinion, they sound great. They're fun. Um, I'm not going to do any kind of mental gymnastics when it comes to things like being derivative or being authentic. I like the music. I like the way it sounds, and I like the way it makes me feel when I hear it. I get excited. They're a blast, so my pen's pick is going to be Greta Van Fleet. I did like the first two EPs more than the most recent full-length album, but that's a debate for a different time. Greta Van Fleet is my pen's pick. I agree. And a great name. Named it's, after a woman named Gretia Van Fleet. They yes. just dropped the I, I believe, to make it Greta Van Fleet. But uh, something about they're going through the phone book or something. and Yeah, and like their hometown. They're, they're somewhere from just outside of Flint, Michigan. Yeah. And they're a bunch of young kids. They're like 22 years old right now. Yeah. And they shred they're awesome they're great they kill it great band so yeah Greta Van Fleet check it out check it out ladies and gentlemen yeah that's my pens pick your pens pick were the book recommendation so you got some music you got some reading to do and thanks for checking out the Penguins podcast that concludes this episode the latest and may I say greatest episode of the Penguins (laughs) podcast Jared thank you so much for coming on and uh, being my guest today this has been great it's been great thank you so much for having me Nick That is Penguins assistant coach Jared Scaldi. I am Nick Hart. But until next time, thanks so much for stopping by and listening. We really appreciate it when you guys tune in. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Just tell anyone you can to come on and listen to the Penguins podcast. We always appreciate your patronage. Once again, thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. And let's go, Pens.